0: He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. He, he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going to be silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. For a Now, about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole!
1: Hello and welcome to week twenty-three of a good talk spoiled golf podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly. I'm joined by James Richardson. Hey James. Hey Bobby. And John McBurry, Barry Hey Barry. Hey guys. Uh, no Alan this week. Uh, he wasn't able to join us, but he sent in some uh, some of his picks and um, for us to discuss this week. Um, this week we're going to have we're going to follow our usual format. We start off the rules-related question. We'll have a look back at the Nordea Masters and the Memorial Tournament. We'll, we're, our main topic that we're going to discuss this week is the US Open and um, we're going to have a look back at some of the US Opens in the past, picking out our favourite US Opens, our favourite US Open shots and our favourite US Open champions that the three of us are going to do and as I said Alan has sent in a couple of his selections. Then next week we're going to have, look through, we're going to look forward to next week uh, the Leon S Open which is at Diamond Country Club in Austria the FedEx St. Hugh Classic and TPC Southwind, and then we'll give the answer to the rules-related question. So just before we get on, we did get some listener feedback, which we were very appreciative of. Uh, Ray Coogan was in contact and followed up our discussion last week around um, Tom Watson. I made the point that I was a bit unsure about how good a putter Tom Watson was, um, as in, I had a feeling that he was a bit suspect at times. Um, and Ray contacted and said he was an awesome putter in his prime, but when he got into his 40s he struggled with the four, five footers So good to get a bit of a uh, bit of an update on that. Um, yeah, it's nice to know
0: because you know we can only go back so far in our yeah, memory of golf. golf you know. Yeah. But um, uh, in
1: relation to the Ryder Cup, he, in terms of who you would pick, he said he would rather stick pins in his eyes than watch Keegan Bradley play <laughs> golf. <laughs> So I think it's probably just as well Tom Watson is
0: the captain and, and not Ray Coogan anyway. <laughs> because, because Ray doesn't like horse racing. Because Keegan looks like he's about to jump out of the blocks. You know, every time he's about to take a shot. Or... Yes, yes, possibly. Yeah, yeah. He, he's uh, he's a bit polarizing. All right, good golfer when he's on though. I wouldn't like to face him in match play. Yeah, and he is a major champion as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. Before we move
1: on, do you guys play golf the weekend?
0: I had a load of golf, um, so I won't go into all of it, the, oh, the, big, the big disappointment <laughs> of my week was I had my singles match play, and, uh, which I ended up losing, but um, I, I put it down to three lost tee shots, including one on 17 when I had the honour and it was only one down, and I carved it out of bounds, and I oh, no. was pretty much all over. Um so that was that was kinda of disappointing, you know, to I always wanted I want to go far in a match play, but uh not this year, so I have yeah. to work on the game for next or, or year. year. Or last year. Or last year too. Or the year before. Well no, last year I couldn't play because I had my for uh the year before that. Well the year before that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your record is not as shining either, is it? Like, and, but you know, whatever. This isn't about me, Barry. It is. This isn't, is about no, you. This is about destroying Barry. Um, so, we went, myself and James and our friend Stu went out for a round with our pro Mark O'Mahony mm. in Carton House where, um, bit of a team-building exercise before we go off to play the Carn um, Pro-Am next weekend in Belmullet out in the west of Ireland. Cool. So that was that went well. It would have been
2: more of a team-building exercise if Stu hadn't been so far right on all the holes that he didn't really spend too much time with us. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> he was left on a lot of them as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he, Stu was off looking for his ball on his own quite a lot, and we decided not to help him too often just to teach him a lesson, You know, hit it straighter. So, uh, but that's good. Yeah, we're, that'll be great. We'll do maybe do a little quick uh, thing about Karn next week, just before we go. And James uh, and myself, we played the regular Saturday competition. Um, perfect conditions. We both shot around par, didn't we?
1: Yeah, roughly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can hit hit the really good stuff next weekend in the competition.
1: Excellent. Excellent. That
0: was all your golf, was it? Just that was the, all my golf. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Barry's it's, Barry's it's, it's covered it right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I actually <laughs> shot played, by shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually played with the same. Uh, I played with Mark as well at the weekend. We were down in uh, the uh, Pro, Op, Pro Am event. Um, and that was in the Heritage, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Heritage Sunday Monday, a two day event. Uh, it's one of the biggest ones for the pros in terms of uh, the field that attends it and the prize money and stuff by like that. But, as always, whenever we go away, we seem to be do we do very well on the bar on the, on the, the <laughs> on the at the night after the first day and that's the that's the peak of our uh of our performance Um so I didn't like great right day one, but day two played a bit better so um, and Mark didn't really do do too much, unfortunately. But I think hopefully he'll have a bit of form going into that. Eventually, you guys in Karen anyway. If not, we'll all be in the bar on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Day yeah. The same. Yeah. some very good 19th holes down there yeah. in Karen, So yeah, and Mark's could good good have uh, supporting that that those efforts. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, looking on then. Okay, let's moving on quickly to the rules related question. And this week now, the question that I have for you guys is. A player plays a stroke on the pudding green and while the ball is still in motion it is picked up and carried by a dog and dropped next to the hole. What is the ruling? Question mark. A. The stroke counts and the ball must be played as it lies. B. The stroke counts and the player must place the ball at the point where the ball was when the dog picked up. Excuse me. C. The stroke is cancelled and the ball must be replaced. Um, Alan has already answered. Um, you're first to go.
0: Okay. Some somehow I have a feeling I've heard this before. It may have been on the show, it may not have been. But seeing as myself and Alan are so oblivious to the rules, it actually doesn't really matter. <laughs> mm. So I um I was hovering between A and C, but I think I'm going to go with A. Um, no real reason. It just it feels like it's right. So uh, okay, that's where I'm at. Okay. We'll, we'll come I'll give you Alan's answer at the end just to keep the suspense just to up. Keep me on tender hooks. Yes. Yeah. okay, uh, okay so the master of suspense, to Mr. Donnelly. Yeah, I'll do it, do do my best.
1: Very good. Well listen, there was some uh this was interesting golf at the weekend. We had the Nordea Masters. Um J D beat Duisson and Gallagher in a playoff. Uh he had a lovely wedge into three feet to win win the birdie on the on the first playoff hole. And in credit to you, Barry, as well, we had a discussion last week, we were worried about Dubuisson in terms of bouncing back from his injury, and you were pretty much, you were you were happy enough that he he will be able to recover from the injury, and, and he pretty much did, he came back and he, bang, he picked up from where he was beforehand.
0: Amazing, yeah, I we mean we could have gone either way, hmm. it was a bit of a shot in the dark, I was, but um, yeah, it was very very impressive performance, and um, yeah, it would be good to see him kick on, because I think he's a really exciting golfer. Um, he's got an unbelievable short game, and he could be a little dark horse for the US Open next week when we have a look at an in-depth look at the field. Yeah, he's I think he's 100 to one for well, yeah. to one with Paddy Power for something uh,
1: around that. Yeah, um, hits a, and I think from looking at Piners you need to
0: hit the ball a decent distance, so he might be a decent selection and be able to hit the ball from out of bushes. And so he's he's well <laughs> well proven at that. So um, yeah, it was a JD JD. Fair play to him. He had a cracking wedge shot in the playoff hole on eighteen. You know, he played laid up on purpose because he couldn't reach it in two and stuck it into three feet. And the two boys hit poor wedge shots and uh, he finished it off with a nice putt. Yeah. Um.
1: And we did mention Gallagher last week as well that we were a bit unsure whether he was going to do enough to get into get into the into the Ryder Cup. And I suppose we always talk that in around two point two million is the it's the sort of level that you need to get into to the 2.2 million, is the need, level you need to get to, to qualify for the Ryder Cup in terms of European money. And that has only brought him up to a 1.26 million. So he probably needs another win, possibly. He needs a huge win. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, something like a British Open, obviously, would, would, that would shoot you straight up into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, two of the lesser events he probably needs. So um, it's still probably unlikely that he might make it. bit of a long shot, but he's having a nice year all the same. Yeah, he's doing very well, doing very well. Uh, the memorial tournament um i we caught the end of this again on on our sunday night uh, drinking in the bar we, we saw i think we there was a local Gaelic football being put on tv and when that finished up it was only the highlights they were yeah. watching as well so they put it on and we watched uh, the end of uh, the the playoff of the memorial the screen was hd but your vision was blurry definitely yeah yeah um Matsuyama beat. um now nah, in playoff uh, with a fantastic up and down, the two of them kind of chop
0: chopped it up the up the 18th, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matsuyama was in the bunker, wasn't he? Yeah, and hit a hit a hit a really nice strike, just pulled it left to the green. Yeah, yeah. Now, nah, now nah did a barry on it and smothered his tee shot left <laughs> into the water. And uh, another the, smotherer. Another smotherer. Yeah, but uh, he's having a great season, um, so I, w- I wouldn't mind earning the same money that he's earning this year. But That's great. um yeah, so he wasn't he 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 missed right of the green and
2: yeah I thought I thought his chip in from being right of the green and you know he found the right spot on the green he, he thought it through you know mm. he's young enough lad what, what is he uh, twenty I think he's something twenties yeah twenties mm. you know big moment for him to to break through and win and a lot of people saying he's going to be the best player coming from the Asian mm-hmm. area and certainly from Japan for for many years and could be a big player into the future so. I, I thought his the the way he played that shot, he you know, he found the spot that he thought, give me four, five, six foot mm. from that side of the, the hole. Mm. You know, I, I stand up and play and I just don't care what size of the hole I'm on, I just try and oh. get it as close to it. On the green but, is uh, good, yeah, no, But like he he really thought it through. It was, it was a very, very mature performance. Thing.
1: Um I didn't as I said I didn't see the back nine, but I understand Boba and Scott kind of yeah. collapsed a bit in the back. I, I,
2: I watched. I watched quite a bit of it, and everyone raves about Bubba in the distance. But mm. if it's not in the right direction, it doesn't matter how far you go. Mm. Like at one stage in the back nine, he was so far right, he was over the trees, off the course, and in the back garden of a person's house. And even Jack <laughs> himself said, I, "I when designing this course, never thought anybody would get to that house or that that back garden because there's so many trees between the fairway and that back garden." I don't know how he's managed it. Was it out of bounds? Oh, it was well out of bounds. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. well out of bounds. And, and, of course, when they showed it on the helicopter or the blimp, where uh, they said, oh, it's in that back garden. There was nobody in the back garden. Five minutes later, they were showing half the, the family were out <laughs> sniffing <laughs> <Right>. around for <laughs> the golf ball. I just thought, look, he's a great player, but when he loses it, Jesus, he loses it. Yeah, like yeah, it, was, yeah. it was amateur stuff yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for a major winner.
0: Uh, his swings all choices. based on timing, you know, and if that goes, it's really kind of like coordination. And if mm. that goes, it'll go wrong really bad.
2: But but the thing that I found strange to a certain extent is I can understand when it goes for these golfers, it, it can go once, but where it continuously goes wrong over, you know, I'm kind of expecting the caddy to kind of pull him, you know, backwards and say, look, maybe the three three wood here, you know, slow it down a bit, you know, just get back into the rhythm. But it was just repeated mistake after mistake after mistake. But look, he'll be back. He's He just booms it. It's the way he'll be for the rest of his career,
1: I'm sure. I think Bubba's caddy is always very careful about what he says. let would say he sticks to keep him quiet after all
0: the abuse that uh, Bubba normally gives him. Yeah Bubba, yeah, Bubba doesn't hold back when he gets yeah. angry. And uh, Bubba doesn't blame Bubba. Bubba blames the caddy. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: like all good tradesmen. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> um, yeah, Adam Scott kind of faltered away as well. He, yeah. he had a chance to go uh, back-to-back wins and... Maybe he was just, you know, put off by all
2: of those lovely comments he made about his arms last week, Barry. Yeah, the, gun, <laughs> the Scotty Gun
0: Show. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there was also a very interesting piece, done, Barry, um, between the the guys on I think it was the Golf Channel. Or Peter was, Costas. Was, yeah. Peter Costas did analysis of Bubba Watson and Jack Nicklaus's golf swing. Um, and they flipped Nicholas's swing to left-hand swing. It was very interesting, wasn't it? It's
0: incredible. You how they even came up with this in the first place? You know, yeah. to to think about comparing the two, but it was it was actually incredible the similarities. What we'll what we'll do is um, we'll put it up on the Twitter feed yeah. and yeah. let people see for themselves rather than us um, butcher it in our, our amateur analysis. But yeah. it's um, just to our eyes, it's staggeringly similar to how the two of them swing the golf club.
1: Yeah, because they showed Jack really going
0: after a drive
1: and suggesting that, well, there is a good few similarities between Bubble Swing, so uh, it's definitely one to check out. I just say we will put it up on the on the Twitter handle and if anyone wants us to email us to them. Our email address is a good at gmail dot com. We can send it on. Um, and then yours truly picked up the presenter bet
0: for the week Uh, it was tight on Sunday all four of us were in the running yeah I had Haas who finished
1: 8th Barry you had Moore who finished 19th Uh, James, you had or Alan had Mahan who finished twenty eighth, and James you had Bradley who finished thirty seventh. They were all good picks. Who was ahead at the beginning of Sunday and when we were looking at it? I think there were only about two
2: two
0: shots in in the between all of them. Yeah, there yeah. was. I, I think I was at the front, and uh, yeah, Bob Bob did his uh, did his Sunday charge and took the win. It's a good pick.
1: Yeah, well, I kind of, I, I fancied him for most of the week. I didn't actually have a bet them. So in the end, so... Uh, you would have been just gutted with him just finishing 8th yeah, then as well, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, those horror places. Um, in other news, uh, Stacy Lewis on the ladies on the LPGA Tour, she won the ShopRite LPGA Classic, and she's now world number one. hmm Congratulations so, to her. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, just in case she's listening. She always
2: listens. She she yeah. tweeted us last week said she loves the show. Yeah, she been, loves the dulcet tones of Barry. Yeah,
0: it's been coming for a while. Um, she's a good, great golfer. So um, yeah, the LPj is very competitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The US the US women are they've won eight of thirteen events this year. So taking back a bit from the Asian dominance.
1: Hmm. Very good. Okay, well, let's move on to the top 200 competition. Alan normally gives us an update on this, but Barry, you're going to take over for this week.
0: Yeah, so um, there's a lot of movers this week. Um, a few good performances from the top 200 uh, contenders. You know, Eddie Peppel went very well with uh, the Nordea Masters, which moved our uh, friend of the show, Stephen Halpin, up 51 spots, and he's finally moved out of the wooden spoon position, <laughs> which will uh, delight in no end with Kevin Na going very well. Um Robert Carlson did pretty good for a few people up in Sweden. Um so and Alvaro Quiros as well. James is yes, looking thank at you me eagerly, to like, please mention Alvaro Quiros. Well if you
2: didn't I would. I no, no, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He he did go very well also and uh, had a bad Sunday. He had a good he did he win. let me
2: down. I, I, and you know what? I, I actually watched it. On yeah. the, on the Sunday, because of my top 200, just to see if he would get over the line. I think it's the beard. He needs to shave it back a bit. That's, that might that's be how important
0: problem. this competition is. It'll get James to watch the European tour. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he seemed out of sync that day, so maybe you need to give him a call and, you know, get his head right for next week. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. the top three are as follows. We have Alan Donnelly in 272, closely followed by David Grief in 278, his nemesis. Um, Kevin Coughlin is in uh 264 combined and top of the table for another week in a row is Stephen O'Connor at 253. So if anyone wants to join the competition, it's free. Um, you Just send us a tweet to at podcastgts with the hashtag top 200. And you need to select one player from the European tour, one from the PGA tour, and they must be from outside the top 200 in the world rankings when you select them. And the winner, uh, which will be decided at the end of the DP Tour Championship, mm-hmm. will win a four-ball in Carton House, which is a magnificent place to play golf, having played there twice in the last week. Um, I can attest to that. So, uh, entries are open until the British Open. So, uh, yeah, hit us up with your choices, and best of luck to everyone. Yep, cool. Um, thanks a lot, Dave Murray.
1: And Cool. Okay. Well, this our topic for this week. We're gonna our, our format that we generally follow for the majors, and what we do is the week of the major because we all like like a punt uh, between ourselves. We discuss what bets we're having for the major, and you know why we're doing it, what's our reason behind it. And so we've decided the week before is to do a bit of a discussion around the major itself, bit of a background, bit of bit of history. So this week we're obviously going to be covering the US Open because it's come around; it's 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 already come around. So we're going to have a quick chat, looking back over some of our favorite US Opens, favorite US Open shots, and our favorite US Open champion. So Barry, I might come to you when you look back. Well, I suppose first of all, actually, um, where does the US Open rank in terms of your own?
0: majors in terms of preference out of the top four? Do you know what, like, until I kind of started getting back into my research and the history of it, I would have firmly pegged it in third place behind the British Open and the Masters. I think it's, it depends, actually do you know what, this will all depend on the time of year for me. If you ask me now, I'm going to say it's the US Open because all of the history that i was gone back through and the mm. recent events just reminded me of what a great tournament it is and the mm. drama that tournament throws up. So, I, I like, I would actually, just the Masters, the British Open, the US Open, I'll just, I'll, I'll put them all in as number one the two weeks before each event. It's yeah, just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't. It's like, I don't know. If I had kids, it's like picking between your favorite, you know, favorite of t- your children. Yeah. So, um yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, I,
2: I don't get excited about the US Open like I do the Masters. And that's probably controversial on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I suppose, to me, the British Open and the Masters were... What was on terrestrial TV, it was free to air. And I don't remember when I started playing golf in 1989, 1990, and I started watching Faldo mainly. It was the British Open and the Masters. They were the two that I watched year in, year out. It probably wasn't until 1999 that I started watching the US Open more than I did in the past. I don't actually remember Mm -hmm. watching the US Open. And we'll talk about the US PGA at the time. But again, that was another tournament that... I was always away on holidays with my parents and unless I was in the States and we were in a hotel that had it on it, I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. So to me, the US Open is not, it doesn't, when preparing for this podcast, this didn't grab me. It didn't, it didn't warm my cockles like talking about the Masters. I got giddy like a schoolgirl um, in in relation (laughs) to the Masters.
1: This, not so much, but... Well, it's the other way around. I... I personally put the US Open ahead of the British Open from my enjoyment because I think the US Open has everything that the British Open has. It has the 8 or 10 hours of non-stop coverage. It has excellent coverage. But the one thing I always find about the British Open, um, and this might not be the way for all the courses, but particularly, I think it was last year, like I think, I mean, some of the Lynx courses I find don't come across as well on TV. I think if you were there and you were watching a major British Open definitely ahead of the US Open because links got so good and there's so much intricacies to it and, and how the players manage the you know the wind and the rain and uh the different bumps and bounces of the course. But I think sometimes when you're watching British Open on TV you don't get a full understanding of the, the challenges. The course gets flattened. Yeah, exactly. And you don't get a full understanding of the challenges. Like mm-hmm. when Mickelson hit that three wood into it was the 17th 17 yeah. on Murfield. Just looked like it was any random golf course that he was threading it down, down through. Whereas they were all saying, well, it was one of the most amazing shots that anyone's ever hit in the British Open. But you didn't get an appreciation of the difficulty that he had both sides and, and the undulation and stuff like that. Whereas I think the US Open always looks amazing on TV. I think the clear definition of the course
0: helps. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we probably need to do a three D viewing of one of the British Opens some year, just mm. so we, just just for evaluation purposes. Mm. Yeah, It'd be good to see if it comes across the course comes across well. Yeah, I suppose from my perspective,
2: it, it's probably nostalgia more than anything. Yeah. You know, I, I would have been young. I would have been watching the the, the Masters in the US, the British Open much more than the U.S. That's not to say I don't enjoy this tournament. You know, it's it's a great couple of days. You know, like you say, the coverage. Sp- sp- Especially on Sky, you know, with all the big names there, it is a fabulous thing yeah. to watch. I, I probably enjoy it more now, but when we were looking back on the Absolutely. history of it,
0: it wasn't one that I would have yeah. said, "This yeah. is oh yeah, this is great. I'm looking forward to this." I think the thing I actually enjoy the most about the U.S. Open is that um, par is the target. Yeah, you know, and there's yeah. so much attrition going on, and like while it's heartbreaking to see players just bomb and collapse and. There's so much drama with those things and, you know, miracle par saves and the occasional birdie. But I love the struggle against par. And I do like watching tournaments where par is a, um, a real target. I mean, just a quick little um, fact I picked up today. Since 2001, the cumulative scores of the major winners are as follows. So the Masters is minus 139 to par. The USPJs minus is minus 120 to par. The British Opens minus 96 to par, and the U.S. Open is minus 28 to par. 16 of those are from Rory McIlroy's win in 2011 at Congressional. It was soft, so you can almost scratch that out. As, so it'd be minus 12. So like it, that's over what you know. So that's minus one per year. So it mm. is an absolute beast. It's, but I survival. Think that's a great point because I
1: think um, I think the fact that level par. Will win a competition is brilliant because it's totally different than what we see week in week out. It's kind of like if yeah. we could go and play in a weekend, the thirty six points and win the competition. Mm. What do you mean? Is it makes us feel better about yeah. ourselves so sort of <laughs> when we see yeah. the
2: pros? Like we, we'll probably go out and we'd play to one hundred and twenty yeah. at the same time they're playing to level par. But yeah. it is it is enjoyable to see, and I, I agree with Barry in respect of it going 20 or 30 you know 20 or 18 under over four days is, is great for the main competitions but to me a bit like your major medals at, at your own home course that's the one that you don't want to be seeing guys come in with 64 65 66 mm, yeah, yeah. they should be winning it on 71 72 mm. you know that that to me is the real challenge any other stable for an event you can go out and you can play to 68 but like this is the major the major should be a major test for the best golfers in the world and the course should be set up not for the American TV viewership which most of them are set up for Mm -hmm. over the course of the season where they want birdies, birdies, eagles, birdies because they're not interested in seeing some guy duff at 20 yards in front of them. I love that bit of this tournament. That is the bit that I certainly enjoy.
0: Yeah, it's great to just see par is a challenge and so uh, very enjoyable and really looking forward to next week. But yeah, back to the history of all the best US Opens. Yeah, what's your favourite US Open, Mary? My one um, is 2006, and it's funny. It's actually Alan's as well. It's yeah, it's Jeff Ogilvie won it. Ogilvy won it, yeah. and it's, it's brilliant. brilliant. It's funny my memory of it doesn't really include Ogilvy. Now, I know it's eight years ago. My memory of that tournament kind of centers around the collapses that happened, which is what we've kind of mentioned about US Open. So you'd... Montgomery and his probably one of his most famous collapses. You know he's middle of the 18th fairway. He's got 172 to the hole. He has to wait a good few minutes for the shot. The last second he changes his he changes club, comes up short, chips on, rams is downhill Park putt. You know, 12, 15 foot pass misses the one back. That's his double bogey. He's gone. Mm. Mickelson made oh my god, on, on, you know ridiculous amounts of errors down the stretch. Also double bogey at 18. Um, Harrington had uh, bogey the final three holes and finished two strokes behind. And um, Ogilvy just happened to kind of take the little breaks that he had. You know, he chipped in on 17, and um, he got up and down on 18. So he survived the challenge of par and won the U.S. Open. And it was it was just great drama. You yeah. know, the, the the disasters were there, and you know the fairy tale ending of the guy hanging on to win. And it was a, it was an amazing final
1: day that we probably haven't had as much in recent majors, particularly the Masters this year was very disappointing
0: on the final day. But that was a snore, yeah. Yeah, but this
1: was a, that was a great final day.
0: Yeah, if we get anything even half approaching that, we'll be very lucky this year. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I wonder is about the
1: U.S. Open, is it more likely to create a, a, an excellent final day finish? And maybe the British Open now and fairness Mickelson's British Open was fantastic it was good finished at the end
2: yeah I, I think it does and, and my favourite open goes goes to 1999 with Payne Stewart and um, mm. you know it was the Payne Stewart film Mickelson VJ Singh just behind with Tiger Woods as well and um, it does bring drama and 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 when I was looking back over the history and I could have gone through quite a few of these and there's another example in a minute when we're talking about the next segment but Payne Stewart on the final hole, 15-foot putt to win it. You know, and he holds it. And I think he wins ahead of Phil Nicholson on that tournament. You know, another stab in the heart to Phil at the time that another major door opens and closes in his face. Yeah. But it does bring that. It does bring that drama. And I suppose, to me, Payne Stewart, it's Pinehurst number two as well. So, of the yeah. course, they're going back yeah. to this year, I think. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 And I suppose, to me, 1999 it was probably as i said earlier the first time i probably watched the us open properly was the 1999 and it was full of drama i suppose just thereafter of course the the sad news five months later that mm. that pain stewart ended up dying in the in the plane accident and never obviously had the opportunity to defend his title
0: but mm. yeah that was uh i actually watched the video on that t- today just kind of a highlights of the show and it was just Horribly predictable, uh, predicting statement that Stuart made at the end. I and mean, he was so gracious to Phil Nicholson, You know, said you'll get your chance, and he gave him. You know, kind of embraced his face. At, you know, after the after he held the winning putt, but Stuart said like you'll get your chance. Like this could have been my last chance, and but unfortunately it was. I mean, because it's an it eerie statement, isn't it? It really was, I and mean, he was just a fantastic competitor. And. But he was also
2: a fantastic character. You he know, was, know, he had so much. He was the the plus fours, the outfits, yeah. the cap. You know, yeah. it was you know you just don't have that character anymore in in golf. That Great I point. think that that kind of you know I'd love somebody. You know, we look at John Daly as probably kind of the most extreme out there in terms of the clothing and all that. Mm. But Payne Stewart, he was a good guy. Mm. He was a gracious winner. He was a gracious loser. But he also had character. You know, I don't think if anybody says about Payne Stewart, it's always plus fours. You know, that's yeah. and I think that says an awful lot, and
0: uh, that he was a decent guy. But that outfit he wore on that final day, like that kind of sleeveless rain wind cheater thing he had on, that's like any time somebody says Payne Stewart to me, that's what I see him. Yeah, like that's the lingering memory I have of the guy. And yeah, that was that was a great U.S. Open.
1: And I, when we, one of the topics we have later on is favourite US Open champion, and Stuart was definitely my the my favourite US Open champion. I thought it was a great moment, because actually the point when you mentioned when he grabbed his face, mm. uh, Mickelson was due his first child at that stage. And he said, listen, that's when he grabbed his face, said, don't be too down about this, you're about to be a father, you know? Which I suppose when you think about it, when you've just lost the US Open on the last hole, there's not much you can say to kind of, appease you a bit so maybe you know that yeah could, kind of might have made it a bit easier i'm like it's kind of going yeah okay well actually you know it's not the end of the world um but yeah so um, I, i thought it'd be a brilliant brilliant champion i must say um moving on our next one is the favorite u.s open shots um What are your guys? What's your favourite US Open shot?
2: Well, I'm going into the archive here, and we spoke about him last week and at the beginning of the podcast about his putting. I'm going with Tom Watson, 1982. Um, Mm. He is in a war of attrition that we were talking about a minute ago. Um, He's just bogeyed the 16th on the final day to go back level with Jack Nicholson. Um, It's in Pebble Beach. It's part three. He puts it over the back. Jack Nicholas. Nicholas even yeah. <laughs> well, you see, it depends on who you. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to pick you up on that one. <laughs> I, I, I knew i had said it, and I thought they're not going to be mean enough, and then I realised how much abuse I give Barry that I knew that I was coming back. <laughs> so Jack anyway is uh, is in the clubhouse at four under. He uh, Tom plays it over the back of the green. He's in fairly nasty rough, and I love the quote that that was told that Jack was watching it on the TV and he said he was confident that at least he would have a chance at a playoff against Watson because he didn't believe that he would end up birdieing either of the last two holes at Pebble Beach. And Watson's caddy Bruce Edwards, turned to him and said, you know, you've got to just get it close, get it close. And Watson turned around and replied, get it close. Hell, I'm going to sink it. And that's exactly what he did to birdie it. And he went on to win it by two shots. But it was just, to me... When you watch it, 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 it's a nasty light. There's not an awful lot of room to play with. And he ends up, you know, two bounces in and it's in. It was a stunning shot to me, for me.
1: But well, actually, the pal of mine that I work with uh, is from Kerry. And there's a famous story about that wedge. So Tom Watson was made honorary club captain uh, of Ballybunion Golf Club. Mm. And so when he was, when he was, when he was captain for his captain's prize in Ballybunion, he actually put up his wedge as the ways that he used to hold that shot. Come on. As the wow. captain, captain's prize in Ballybunion, yeah. What? Can um, you imagine the
0: nerves, like, knowing that that was a prize yeah. and you are
1: coming down there to the stretch and the final day? And apparently it's in a bar somewhere. Somewhere, I think it's in Trudy, it's, uh, it's in the bar. Someone obviously won it and they have it there. So.
2: Imagine yeah. if you took it out and left it behind you on the 16th green and <laughs> asked the pro shop if somebody handed it in. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: my, my favourite US Open shot was Tiger's putt on the 72nd hole in Torrey Pines where he played the whole round on one leg and he needed about a 30-35 footer on the last to get into a playoff and he held an unbelievably long putt and and this is one thing that probably, I know Tiger's not playing at the moment. I don't think you'd see him doing it under when he really needs to pull out a big putt. It was that was Tiger of Old, and that's the last time we've seen Tiger really do that where he needs to make the 30
0: 30 five footer and he was drains. It that long? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh god. I was yeah. watching it a clip from earlier on. I remember that putt breaking my heart because I had uh, I had a bet on Rocco Mediate uh, at a hundred to one and then got to watch the whole next day as Tiger just you know, swallowed him away and I watched my money just go down the drain.
1: And I think the thing is, he was actually, he was so bad, in terms of injury, he didn't do one of his usual massive celebrations, he was just too tired, just so sorry. He, was too, he was too injured, he just gave it a small kind of fist pump, you know, so I thought that was amazing, and just reminds us of
0: how amazing uh, Tiger was, and hopefully hopefully, we'll see him back. But his leg was broken during that, wasn't it? There was a small fracture in one of his legs for yeah. sure that yeah. the whole tournament. Yeah.
1: Makes Re- the rest of us amateurs look really bad. Where a broken leg <laughs> yeah, guy right. can go
2: out and do that.
0: Yeah, Barry, what was your uh, favorite, your favorite US Open shot? Um, mine, I debated Justin Rose's four iron last mm. last year because that was a phenomenal shot, and you know it was the whole history of the Ben Hogan disc being there as well. It was a Hogan esque shot, really. Was it actually. was. I mean, I ran just past the pin, and it was it was a wonderful mm-hmm. shot. But mine because I remember it so well, was Graeme McDowell's approach to 18 in 2010 um, in Pebble Beach. And it wasn't, the shot was good. It got him on the green where he wanted to be. It wasn't so much that. It was the whole teamwork of himself and his caddy, Ken Convoy, before he hit the shot. So, you know, McDowell was there and he was thinking, you know, five iron, you know, or six, I think it was six iron. He was thinking, and the caddy, without telling him what to actually change to, um, kind of, chose his words carefully and guided Graham McDowell into choosing a five iron mm-hmm. and almost, you know, that McDowell thought it was his idea that he was changing the to the five iron rather than the caddy's idea, so, so his player could feel more comfortable with it and, you know, it was the right shot because he went past the pin, away from the trouble short left to the green, which was, you know, water and... um you know, he too put it for the win, but I just thought it was wonderful to see the teamwork that went on between the caddy and the player, and how the caddy got his man home and yeah, yeah. You know, helped he was him probably thinking of Josh, The winning check that was like to his yeah, direction as the caddy. I, well, he still managed to choose his words very carefully <laughs> in a pressure situation. So it was a, it was, it was a really good shot for me. Yeah, um, yeah Palm Beach is a great venue. That was actually my favorite U.S.
1: Open. Um, that says in ten U.S. Open Championship because. It was a fantastic event. That was the one where Dustin Johnson was leading by three going into the final event. He was on minus six, G-Max minus three, and Tiger was minus one. Had a great mm. field. Uh, top ten, including Ailes, Havre, Mickelson, Keimer, Davis Love, the third. They were all there. It was a fantastic yeah, event. It was a that brilliant was the, year.
2: That was back-to-back Northern Irish golfers. It was an O'Rourke the previous yeah, year. at the, the
0: beginning. You know, was, yeah. Rory, Rory followed up the year Oh, they followed the followed up. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, had the back-to-back thing.
1: Um, and that was just a brilliant championship. I love Pebble Beach, and must say yeah. it's. Um, and I think the fact that they can play the pro am in February and the winning score can be twelve, thirteen, fourteen under. Yeah. And then going back to your point earlier on that the GMAC won on level par, you know, and I think Pebble Beach and probably goes back to your point, James, as well. But Watson, it's just a brilliant U.S. Open course, and probably yeah, we were going to do a piece on favorite U.S. Open course. That would have been my favorite U.S. Open course. And yeah. We might, um, we might throw in a
0: couple next week just for yeah. you know just mention them.
1: And Tiger, remember he hit an amazing shot when he won here. When he won by, what well, it was? Just, I don't know, he won by a million miles uh, when he won in Pebble Beach, and he hit a three wood in there at the last. hit an amazing shot as well. Uh, the, the interesting thing that you say about Pebble Beach, I didn't
2: realize it when I was reading up on Tom Watson in the nineteen eighty two chip in. That was only the third time Pebble Beach had ever hosted a major in in, really? in the US. In 1982, I would have, if, if you had asked me that without knowing that, I would have said that Pebble Beach was holding a substantial amount of majors over the years, but only in 1982 that was the third major held I, by Pebble Beach. I wonder if
1: that because it hosts that, the, it was, it's the Pro Am invitation or something in, I can't remember what it's called, the one that's held in, I think it's February, March, that's mm. on every year there, so I wonder. I it's called the Pebble Beach Pro Am, isn't it? Is isn't that what it is? it yeah, is. Oh, um, Jack Nick, Nicholas. And Nicholson plays in that, doesn't he? Jack Nicholson plays in that, he does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned that I, my favourite US Open champion was Payne Stewart. Was the, who who your favourite champion, right?
0: Mine watch. would have been McDowell. Um, be, because of that, because of the story, the last day was a fantastic tournament, and I thought the celebration he had with his dad on you know, the final green was a nice one. Yeah, he always finishes yeah. on Father's Day. And... Um, McElroy's win the year after was very close second because just the way he went about destroying the course and the field. And yeah, it was and a very dominating performance. It? it was just, yeah, it really was. It actually, you could just see the rest of the field. Their shoulders went. They just knew there's no way we're going to touch this guy this weekend. It was, uh, that was, you know, the, the more modern era of Tiger's destruction of Pebble Beach. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was uh, yeah, that was... That was a great year. but that was yeah. Thought the Irish angle anyway. Those two boys. That was fair enough. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, my my
2: favorite. I I had Payne Stewart for everything I have said earlier about him being quite mm-hmm. just just the man that he was. Um, but my my joint first was Tony Jacklin, uh, 19, uh, 1970. and um, we talk about him being you know winning it at par. He wanted a minus seven, and the next nearest was at level par. Like, talk about dominating the field in terms of Rory and these guys now. He dominated the field back then that had Arnold, Jack, um, it had uh, Gary Player, Lee Trevino, like, big, big names. Um, Obviously, I wasn't around to watch it, but I had heard Tony Jacklin talk about his win at the Ryder Cup after dinner on the Friday. And Mm. just the way he spoke about it, it it clearly meant so much to him. Mm. And he was the first... European player to have won it since 1927 which puts it in perspective and I think Gary Player was the only non-American to have won since 1927 when he did it so to me I I was going to go paint Stewart and Tony Jacklin and then when great minds think alike I decided (laughs) to change uh, well that's
1: good and that's a particularly good champion because I mean people always give Seve a lot of credit for when he won the Masters and he kind of broke ground for the Europeans but Jacklin had a big part to play in that as well
2: yeah before we move on from the U.S. Open, I've I've one question that I want to throw out to both of you: the 18-hole playoff, yay or nay? Ooh,
1: that's a good one. I think no. I think I, I think a four-hole playoff, um, well, kind of like think, the British Open. Yeah, well, TPC Sawgrass have gone that way as well. Yeah, yeah. But a four-hole playoff. The only thing I think they always struggle for light. I think mm-hmm. the thing again, I don't know most of my enjoyment was since revolves around TV and I think when it's on the next day it's on I think it's on lunchtime
0: or something like that. Monday work day for most yeah. people And I, I actually I agree with you I, it's great if you have the day off and you get to watch golf again we all enjoy watching golf especially on a major course but you don't have the crowds there the atmosphere is gone yeah. you know, you're know, you just about to jump in on that point yeah, yeah, yeah. about the crowds and I, I like you want you want the drama of the day is there the tension's been building up the whole day on the Sunday mm. and you know you, it just gets amped up again if you have that playoff you know a three hole or four hole or playoff yeah. and um, I, look if there was a vote yeah, I think I'd go with that you know I'd vote for a playoff on the day and you know start the tournament a little earlier that day to allow for a playoff and yeah. a little bit of light. What do you think, Tim?
2: Well, I, I'm against it. I, I think a playoff is the way to go. You know, I think four four or five holes three holes, and, and the aggregate over the three holes should be the winner. Interestingly, the history of it, there were, used to be a 36-hole playoff. It used man? to be a 36-hole playoff, which I thought back in the 20s and 30s when it was a 36-hole playoff, it, it's bad enough having an 18-hole where on the Monday we all go back to work, the enjoyment is gone, and you're not watching it at 11 o'clock, you're watching it at kind of 2 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and it's lost. But I will go to the playoff. I, I don't
1: well, like it. 36 hole I mean, at least you get to watch her you come home from work. Now, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe but, they should go the other way and just go back to 36 holes yeah. rather than yeah, yeah. the playoff. I think in fairness, and you hear Jack talking about it on TV a lot, I think what they like, the US Open champion is supposed to be the best golfer at that point in time. And I think a one-hole playoff, a sudden death playoff, maybe less so even a four-hole playoff, means you can make a couple of mistakes and you're gone straight away. Mm. Whereas an eighteen hole or presumably even back to a thirty six hole playoff, you're pretty much guaranteed that ninety nine times out of hundred, you know, Tiger Woods is gonna beat whoever else or, you know, Rory McElroy, the best golfer is going to prevail over a, an eighteen hole, thirty six hole playoff. Whereas
0: less so, especially over a one hole playoff and less so maybe over a four hole playoff. Mm. I think I think what the US uh, GA like to do is they like to separate their tournament from every other tournament and there's no other tournaments I'm aware of that mm. has an 18-hole playoff, so that it really puts it, you know, puts it on a pedestal above those other events and makes it that extra. Well, you know, it's it's unique anyway. Whether it's more special or not is open to debate. Yeah. But uh, it certainly makes it unique amongst other golf events. And um, I just wish they put it on a little bit later in the evening so we could all watch it on the Monday. And they would get crowds in as well then if you know after work in the evening times. If they started at like three o'clock, they get a load of crowds in for the back nine of that. I think mm. that would add mm. to it. But um, they're the guys with the tournament, and they you know they, they run it the way they want to. And on the whole, it's an amazing tournament, so we can't argue with them too much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one to look forward to. Next week, we'll kind of
1: we'll, we'll discuss probably or what what bets we're going to have on and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, we'll look through the field you yeah. know, who's qualified this week. Yeah. Any fairy tale stories? Yeah. Um, cool, great. Well, that was kind of, that was interesting enough. Um, just in terms of golf, this weekend the two main events uh, on the European Tour we have the Leon S Open, which uh, has been played in Diamond Country Club in Austria, and this I suppose this is it isn't too bad a field. Uh, it's got a lot of the kind of main European guys that are just just beneath I suppose the top stars like Louton There is the market favourite, Wiesberger, uh, Jimenez, Watel, Anders Hansen. Um, I suppose from here on maybe just kind of get some of the lesser stars of the European Tour, Anders Hansen, Eduardo de la Riva. Um, The main event this weekend that we'll be watching will be the uh, FedEx St. Jude Classic in TPC Southwind. And the field here is a good bit stronger. Uh, Dustin Johnson's our our, our market favourite. Lee Westwood, Phil Mickelson's playing. Uh, Ryan Palmer Zach Johnson uh, Max playing well, and then we have a couple of uh, the big guys again like Webb Simpson Casey's going to try and continue his form Polter's playing and poor character's playing as well he's uh, he's returned this week I think he actually has a reasonably good record here as well uh, I assume he
2: has to if he wins does he get into the US Open or is that door firmly shut at this point
1: well, um, good question I'd say he does get in yeah. um, but I'm not too sure I, I, I think I heard them saying that they've won spot left open um, and it might be for the winner of this, but I'm not too sure about that. But uh, we'll 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 will figure it out. Yeah, we'll let everyone know next week. Um, I presume everyone's keeping their powder dry for the U.S. Open.
0: Yeah, 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 keeping the money in the wall for next week for sure. Um, it's 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 tough. I always find that the tournaments the week before major are very tough to to bet on and back golfers because. Different players are setting themselves up for the major the week after, and they're they're getting their heads together. They Mm -hmm. might be trying out a few things. They might be testing out a new club in competition conditions and almost just kind of using the competition just to get themselves sharp rather than actually try to win the event or go very well in it. So uh, uh, a bit of a betting minefield sometimes, these events. Yeah, Yeah, that makes
1: sense. Uh, We're going to have a little fibre between the the four of us anyway. Uh, And as per our new rules, James, you're first to go.
2: Uh, I have gone with Luke
1: Guthrie. Alan, Alan sent in a message. He's gone for David Toms. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick Freddie Jacobson. And I'm going to go with David Hearn. Okay. So uh, we'll wait and see how that looks next week. Um,
0: Hopefully you're picking first.
1: Yes. Uh oh, no. So okay. that'll mean you're last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got that eventually. Yeah, finally finally triggered it. Okay. Well, listen, let's get on to the, the rules-related question. Um so just to recap, a player plays a stroke in the pudding green while the ball is still in motion, it is picked up and carried away by a dog and dropped next to the hole. What is the ruling? So A it was the stroke counts and the ball must be played as it lies. B it is stroke counts and the player must place the ball at the point where the ball was when the dog picked up. Or C, the stroke is cancelled and the ball must be replaced. And both of you said A. Oh, it? I'm so happy because I was so unconvinced, so. And Alan, Alan's comment was C sounds too obvious and C is correct so both yeah. of you are wrong yeah, chance for both of you there to my, steal one on the yeah, other. Yeah, side. no,
0: my thought process was that if, like, I thought, like, you know, a bird or an iguana has picked up a ball, I always thought just it, it was as it lies, you know. But I guess they're treated as an outside agency then, earlier or something like that? In fact, it's in motion, I think, is the difference. Oh,
2: Do, you, do uh, you ever notice how your thought process, once you know the answer, comes right to the right answer? Of course it does, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, like, yeah, hindsight's 20, 20. No, but th- no, that was the reason I went for The right a, answer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I, no, I'm not backtracking into the right answer that's impossible <laughs> <laughs> can't get it past a lawyer uh so you're still it's leading barry 13 12 we both get a. Po- no we don't get
1: it no actually. no points not 12 11 okay no marching stealing points <laughs> um we haven't oh I, well i suppose yeah. what that means you're 12 correct out of 23
0: it's not a great record really. that's over 50 percent the leaving I'd, students i I'd, I'd would take be that for greens and regulation yeah yeah well, you definitely would <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um,
1: Cool, great well that that wraps us up for this week Uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with us as I mentioned earlier on you can drop us an email on goodtalkspoil at gmail.com our twitter handle is at podcastgts and our our top 200 hashtag is hashtag top 200 if you want to get in contact with us Um, if somebody would if you were able to get on to iTunes and give us a rating on that we'd really appreciate that because that can help drive uh, our position on iTunes and let more people listen to us Yeah, exactly. So it would help us spread the word. Uh, So really, that's pretty much it. So thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, Goodbye. And we'll talk to you all next week when we look forward to the U.S. Open and we look forward to the the preparation for the big event. Talk to you soon.
0: Bye now, Well, you're fine. Bye bye.